Um, if you have your Bible, please turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 27. Uh, we'll be in the first half of this chapter today, verses 1 to 26. Um, and the title I, I've uh, given for this sermon um, is The Piercing Innocence of the King. Uh, the Piercing Innocence of the King. And so we'll look at this passage together, uh, starting in verse 1 of chapter 27. When morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And they bound him and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate the governor. Then... When Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, What is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed, and he went and hanged himself. But the chief priests, taking the pieces of silver, said, Is it not lawful to put them into the treasury, since it is blood money? So they took counsel and bought with them the potter's field as a burial place for strangers. Therefore, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him on whom a price had been set by some of the sons of Israel. And they gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord directed me. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, You have said so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he gave him no answer, not even to a single charge, so that the governor was greatly amazed. Now at the feast of the the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. And they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor again said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? They all said, Let him be crucified. And he said, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Let him be crucified. 
So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people answered, His blood be on us and on our children. Then he released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. The word of the Lord for us today. Thanks be to God. Um, Have you ever uh, spilled something on uh, the carpets or um, on that that shirt, (laughs) Uh, a dress shirt maybe, going to work? I don't know. I I wear, wear ties typically when I teach. And um, for some reason, it seems like I always get something on my tie. It's just, I don't know. And the lighter the tie is, I don't know. It doesn't depend on the color. It's just I spill things on ties. Um, But stains, they're difficult to get out. We have all kinds of stain removers, uh, all types of chemicals. um, But I've found that it's difficult to get it back to uh, looking like prior to the stain. Um, no matter what you do, sometimes it's just really hard to get that spot out. Well, we see in this passage, uh, again, in chapter 27 and 26, they're just linked together. Jesus has been up all night long. Now he's on trial. The, the sun rises. It says early morning in verse 1. And uh, what really stripes, strikes me in this passage, along with 26, is the contrast. The contrast between Jesus and the contrast between creatures um, uh, made in the image of God, but deeply sinful. Um, And we see here the priests, the chief chief priests, and the elders, religious leaders, against Jesus. Um, These are the religious leaders. Um, They're against Jesus. I guess we could come to expect that as we follow the narrative throughout Matthew's gospel. We've seen the hostility. We've seen those interchanges of confrontation and conflict. We've seen them get um, blazing angry at the things he's said, the claims he's made. But what I think is quite surprising uh, and would be really difficult for the first disciples to accept or even they're probably just asking the question over and over again, like, what, like how? What happened? Why? And that is G- Judas. <clears throat> um, we've heard the story. Uh, we've read the Gospels. Judas betrayed Jesus. Um, but this would be really shocking to them. Uh, he was with them from the beginning. Jesus had prayed and God had led uh, Jesus <clears throat> excuse me, to choose Judas as one of his disciples. Um, Back in 26, verse 50, Jesus calls him friend. Uh, He doesn't say, Judas, you were my friend, or old friend, or frenemy, you know, uh, 21st century playground language. Um, He doesn't call him an enemy, but he calls him friend. Jesus has no bitterness in his heart, but he knows that um, he has pity on on Judas. And um, we see something of a change in Judas in this passage. So look with me to verse 3. It says, then, then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind. Uh, now, <clears throat> the, 
The word changed his mind sounds a lot like, or this English translation sounds a lot like the word repentance. Um, in Greek, the word repentance that John the Baptist proclaimed he is metanoia, um, or something close to that. Greek endings can change depending on the usage. Um, but it means to change one's mind. You're going this way and, and to completely change your direction. But the word here in the original language is not the word that John, John uh, uh, proclaimed, the, the word that Jesus proclaimed as well, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Um, this word would be uh, better translated. Um, it's, it's, in Greek, it's metameloma. It's, it's close, it's similar, but some English translators translate it as remorse, um, remorse. And so the question, did, did Judas repent? Uh, you see his actions on the surface. He felt terribly. He brought back the 30 pieces of silver. He, um, he even made a profession. Verse 4, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. Um, we see here uh, that Judas, in a sense, is trying to do some type of restitution. He's trying to undo what he's done. He's trying to wash out a stain, a mess, um, something he's particip participated in, the undoing of what he has done. Uh, this uh, reminds me of uh, a play written by Shakespeare called Macbeth. Um, there is a character in that, uh, in that play that uh, conspired with her husband and they killed King Duncan. And uh, she um, is really angry with her husband because he's feeling guilty and he's talking about, wow, look what we did. And he's, he's walking through these, this experience of um, killing a king. And she uh, scorns him for that. But then at two or so in the morning, She's walking by herself, and there's two eavesdroppers that can hear her conversation as she talks to herself. And she is rubbing her hands together, and she keeps seeing an imaginary spot on her hands. And she says, out, spot. Um, other words are used. But um, she is, uh, she, no matter how hard she rubs her hands, she can't get the blood off of her hands. And so Shakespeare, in that moment, uh, is brilliantly taking us through the anatomy of guilt. And, uh, and, and Judas here uh, is deeply troubled. Uh, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's trying to undo what he's done, but he can't. Um, and one, one principle for us um, from Scripture is that uh, self can never deliver self. We, we can never save ourselves. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul writes this. He talks about grief and sorrow, and he says, for godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. So in the one, uh, there's a true change, a true changing of the mind and heart, uh, a repentance that leads to life. But in the other, there is a grief, but it leads to death. And we see here that Judas departed, he went, and we see that his self destroyed himself. 
he committed suicide and he hanged himself. And so um, we see two characters in, in this um, drama unfolding. We see Peter in his denial and we see Judas in his betrayal and Peter um, wept but Matthew puts these two disciples side by side and it, it's almost, um, you know, notice the, the words of Judas. He says, I have sinned uh, by betraying innocent blood. And so Judas highlights the innocence of Christ. He's not completely callous like the religious leaders. Uh, he feels bad. He feels terrible about what he's, what he's done. Uh, we don't know exactly the depths of his motive. <laughs> Is he feeling terrible because he, uh, because of, you know, he's tormented, um, or his own guilt, or his own grief? Um, but a question for us is: How is Peter and Judas similar? How are Peter and Judas different? There, there could be a studied distinction here. And what are the implications for us today? But Matthew shows us that the unfolding of these events is actually a fulfillment of Scripture, which is quite amazing. The silver coins in the field itself were prophesied in the Old Testament. And these are a part of God's redemptive plan. Through the prophet Jeremiah, he said these things would happen. And Jesus was betrayed in this way. And a field was purchased to fulfill that very scripture. But I want to look um, this morning at the piercing innocence of Jesus. And just a testimony of these um, really unbelievers uh, who see no guilt in Jesus. First, we see Judas's profession in verse 4. Um, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. Verse 19, we see that Pilate's wife has a dream. And in that, she was tormented in her dream that night. Uh, it says, um, while he was sitting in judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, have nothing to do with the, that righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. Innocent blood, righteous man, from Judas, from Pilate's wife, who's not a believer, um, as far as we know. And then verse 23, um, Judas, uh, sorry, not Judas, Pilate says, uh, why, what evil has he done? And, and Judas, uh, sorry, Pilate knew uh, the motives of the chief priests. He knew the motives of the religious leaders, that it was out of envy, out of envy, verse 18, that they delivered him up. So we have an innocent blood, righteous man, what evil has he done? And in verse 24, uh, Pilate turns it on himself and washes his own hands of the matter in, in an attempt um, to be um, innocent himself. He says, I am innocent of this man's blood this righteous blood, it can be translated, or this righteous man's blood. So in this passage, we see uh, a lot of ugliness, um, and we see a lot of beauty in the person of Christ. We see Christ, who is love incarnate, uh, in contrast to the chief priests. Um, they're filled with hatred and envy. So love, in contrast to hate and envy. 
we see Christ in contrast to Judas, um, love and self-centered regret. Uh, the undoing of Judas, or what Satan would use to undo him, was greed. Um, he was consumed with greed, and he found um, that he ended up uh, destroying himself. <clears throat> In um, Jeremiah 13, it says, Can the Ethiopian change his skin, or the leopard his spots? Then also you can do good who are accustomed to do evil. And so really, um, it's one thing for us to see the characters in this passage, um, to see Judas, to see Pilate, to see Pilate's wife, uh, to see the chief priests. Um, but it's another thing for us to realize and see ourselves in these people. Uh, Paul makes it very clear in his letter to the Romans, there are none that are righteous. There are none righteous. There are none righteous. And we read these statements, these claims of, of Scripture, and they are true, but um, it's hard for us to see our own sin. And sometimes when we come near to God, that's what His Word does. It's a mirror to us. It shows us our own hearts. It shows us if we are envious or greed, have greed, or if we're self-centered. Pilate, on the other hand, I was trying to um, just ponder what, what his um, the complexity of what he was going through, um, Christ incarnate love uh, and truth in contrast to Pilate. Um, there's a, a tremendous exchange between Jesus and Pilate in John's Gospel that Matthew doesn't record for us. Um, but th the words between them are very revealing of what Pilate was going through. Uh, it seems that Pilate was afraid. Um, he was afraid because of this dream that he had uh, received word from his wife, um, and his own conscience, his own conscience told him, that, and, and the repre repeated phrase in John's gospel is, I find no guilt in him. So before the religious court, Jesus goes through a mock trial, and before this secular court, um, Pilate finds no guilt in him, and he inevitably gives in to political pressure uh, because he sees that a riot is about to um, stir, and he looks for a way of escape. And so uh, Pilate, I just saw as self-preservation. And a question for us, uh, application, is can we wash our hands of Jesus? Um, in our lifetime, we've heard stories of him. We've met other Christians. Uh, but can unbelievers have nothing to do with Jesus? Can we have nothing to do with him? Well, the scriptures make that very clear that all will stand before him one day and, and he will, must give an account for our lives uh, before the judgment seat of Christ. So uh, this leads us to think about Christ in contrast or um, hopefully uh, in complement to you and me. We cannot remain neutral with Christ his teaching, think about his teaching throughout Matthew's gospel, his claims, um, his miracles, his authority, his life, his character, his death, and the manner of his death. It's quite shocking to Pilate that Jesus is absolutely silent before his accusers. He doesn't defend his innocence. And this is in fulfillment to the will of the Father. So he is not intent intended for us 
to have an option of remaining neutral with him. So one day, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, uh, Philippians 2. And one thing we see, another thing we see in this passage is that motive, motive matters, um, not just surface action. So Judas returned the coins. Judas went back and made a profession of, you know, I have done wrong. But that, um, his motive, he went to his own place. The book of Acts chapter 1 gives us a little bit more insight into what happened to Judas. Apparently, he hanged himself on a tree. The rope broke. He fell down, and his insides burst out. Um, We've given this vivid description of that in Acts chapter 1. And this field was purchased in uh, fulfillment of Scripture. Um, And so I I just want to leave you with this, uh, leave us with this. Um, When Jesus told us on the Sermon uh, on the Mount to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you, um, when he was giving us, this wasn't just good advice, but life and death hang on the commands of Jesus. And if we, um, if we, you know, ultimately, that he said there's only two paths. There's the, the, the narrow road and the wide road. Um, one leads to life. One leads to destruction. And we see many people in this passage that are on the path to destruction, and they wanted to destroy Jesus along the way. But we know that in his uh, innocence um, and in his path to the cross, he is actually giving life to sinners like these and like you and me. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we come before you uh, this morning and we thank you for this intimate passage um, giving us insight into the life of Jesus that early morning as he's before crowds that are crying out for crucifixion uh, when secular uh, uh, authorities are saying, um, he has done no wrong. We thank you for the testimony of the scriptures, and we pray that you would uh, penetrate our hearts, that we wouldn't just see characters on a page, but that we could see ourselves um, like David prayed in the scriptures, that you would search us and know our hearts, try us and know our anxious thoughts, see if there's any wicked way in us, and lead us in the way everlasting. Thank you that, Jesus, you went to the cross, that you endured this um, Uh, injustice that we might uh, be free. Uh, It would be right and it would be um, correct for us to be eternally damned, for us to be eternally stained. But because you shed your blood, uh, you made a way to forgive us of our sins and to wash us of every stain. So thank you that being through faith in you, uh, we can stand before um, our Holy Father. And Father, we just pray that you bless this week ahead. We have many concerns, um, many challenges in these days, but we ask that you would anchor us by your spirit and empower us uh, to, to shine for you. In Jesus' name, amen.